Welcome to 1530. This is episode 23. Today we're going to be discussing the ATP World Tour Finals. So the season's coming to a close. For most of the players, they're actually done playing for the year. However, the top eight seeds, the top eight ranked players in the world are in London battling it out for supremacy. So we'll talk about the results of those matches and how it's actually a pretty exciting format. The, the group format and the best, the top two from each group make it to the semifinals. We'll discuss that. We'll also discuss, it's been a while since we've recorded, so we'll talk about some of the tournaments we've missed uh, since the U.S. Open. The Asian swing, Asian court swing happened, as well as some of the indoor courts, uh, indoor season in Europe. So we'll discuss the results, who's playing some really good tennis, who's looking hot, and who is ending the season kind of on a bad note, or maybe isn't as good on the indoor, on the indoor courts. And we'll talk about what it takes to be good at, at indoor tennis. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. I'm Matt, and uh, I'll get you started off with the start of the day today, and that's going to be 80%. Uh, that's the first serve win percentage for Roger Federer in his uh, win over Novak Djokovic in that middle ATP Tour final. Uh, that's really high, especially compared to Djokovic's 56% first serve points won. So, uh, Probably a, a huge indicator or a huge key to that match, right? Uh, Fed took it straight sets and seemingly pretty handy, pretty quick. Um, probably due to being able to finish those points off and serving well at the in that first serve. What are your thoughts on it, Ben? Yeah, it's just it's just incredible. It's the best start and the best possible scenario that Fitter could have. And I was wondering what he would do tactically. I was wondering. Um, Wimbledon, obviously he was aggressive, but he also, when they got into rallies, Federer used a lot of the slice, kept it long, probing Djokovic, kind of waiting for him to make an error. This one was all attack mode. When he did get a backhand, he popped it up the line, usually for a winner. Um, of course he was usually looking for that serve and forehand combination. So really almost felt like it was faster than the grass, which is interesting. Or even Paris, they played on the indoor court. Um, I believe it was last year or the year before. Same thing. Federer was never broken, but lost the match. But he played a lot of those slicing, um, kind of those long slices instead of being as aggressive on the backhand side. So it was amazing. It was fast match, and it was your perfect attacking tennis. So best scenario for Roger Federer. Really, how you want to play on the indoors? Indoors allows for that fast-paced game, and and Federer really showed the, his strengths today. Do courts play faster, Ben, on uh, on indoor courts? Usually, it depends on the court. Uh, London is playing exceptionally fast generally, yes. The other advantage you have is you have the um, – it's more of a controlled environment, right? You have less of the wind. You can be more precise, like the atmosphere is more controlled. And so Federer's always talked about it suited his game. He's able to attack, um, take the cuts of the ball that he wants to, as opposed to the outdoor court, which is a slightly different feel. And um, it's interesting if you want to look at the comparison to games, you look at Rafael Nadal, been exceptional on outdoor hard courts. But indoors, he's really kind of struggled um, really throughout his whole career, which is interesting. He's never won the ATP World Tour Finals. We'll see what happens tomorrow if he can win to stay or to get out of the group round into the semis. But he's made a couple finals, but he's usually lost pretty badly in straight sets to Federer and Djokovic, whoever he's played. Yeah, he has a rough time for sure. I think so we'll see. Yeah, bad timing, bad timing in the year. You know, he's worn out, tired from a, from the whole season. I think that's everybody though, right? Especially yeah. if these big three as they get older. 
Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, and I think sometimes just the topspin too just doesn't doesn't quite do it. It kind of sits up a little bit. Um, mm, like yeah. I said, the, the speed of the course just doesn't suit the game. Maybe if he flattens some stuff out, he could make some adjustments. But it just, yeah, it just it doesn't seem like he has that attacking mode. Zverev took it to him. He kind of reminded me of the Federer match against Djokovic. Zverev was hitting a big serve right after that. Usually for him, it's kind of his back end, I feel like, is the better shot. But he was just finding these huge shots up the line on the line too, right? Like these shots were so deep. Rafa really didn't have much of a chance to even, even if he returned it, Zverev was right on it. So we'll see if Tsitsipas plays him kind of the same way. He's been playing some attacking all-court tennis. It's fun to watch, but never count Rafa out. And we'll talk later about why you can never count that guy out. He's such a competitor. doesn't matter the surface really. He, he fights for every point. Yeah, that's interesting. Going to that Zverev match uh, just real quick. Sorry, I'm bouncing around a bunch. Um, yeah, go for it. Go for it. But yeah, Rafa Rafa never even had a break chance in that game. He faced four himself and only saved one, um, but never even had an opportunity to break Zverev. So, and granted, Zverev was, was serving 88. Well, he won 88% of his first serves, but he was only getting 69% of his first serves in. Um, but still a, an impressive stat, right, for Alex to be able to keep such good control of his, his service game, to not ever face really any pressure and allow him to keep the attack uh, you know, on Rafa and on his serve. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I agree. Super fascinating. Um, let's see. So I guess just going back to the, the Federer match here, looking at some of these other numbers, 12 aces to two for... Roger compared to Novak again, you know, he needed to have a good serving day to, to beat Djokovic. And he had that right from the start. A lot of aces, you know, he, he would get up, it'd be, it'd be set point or it'd be game point up 40 love. And you're like, what's going to happen. And then instead of Djokovic climbing back, like he has before and broken. And even though you have that lead, that lead at 40 love Federer put him away with an ace. And so I think just that aggressive serving kept Novak on his heels and he's one of the best, returners of all time so 12 aces were well deserved by roger today he was really feeling that serve and he was hitting those spots let's look at so you said mentioned 80 percent well we can also talk second serve he didn't hit very many of them since his first serve percentage is so high but he won 69 percent of them that's way above his career average for that usually he's around the 50s the high 50 mark would be good for him Djokovic, on the other hand was 43 percent so didn't matter first serve second serve there was even a second serve that Roger hit that was a nice uh, second serve that was a high kick, and it, w- it even ended up being an ace because of the angles for it. So just everything was working for Federer today. <laughs> he was feeling it. And some of those, you know, you have those days, and you just you're just a little bit too good, and that's what Roger was today. Yeah. Let's see on the returns. Even I guess it looks like even on the return side, he was he was pretty solid. He won 43% of Djokovic's first serve points. Which again, remember Roger won eighty percent of his. Meaning Djokovic only had twenty percent for server turn points in the second serve. Um, was also very good, fifty six percent for Federer. So Federer was able to save that one break point that he had. It was a pretty good rally, but he put the ball in the corner away, and Djokovic could barely get it, and then he put it away at the net. So just again, he was just he was hitting, he's kind of painting the lines, which is great. So overall. It was straight sets. It wasn't really that close, and the, the total score showed it. Federer won 60% of the points. So domination by him. We'll see if he can keep it up. He probably will be one of the favorites, but 
with Nadal or Tsitsipas, I don't know how heavy the favorite will be. And teams also playing exceptional. So yeah, teams we'll play well. I'm curious to see how Tsitsipas does if he can maintain. I feel like he's playing real good tennis over in his side of the bracket in the round robin. So that'll be yeah. interesting to see how he plays against him. Yeah, kind he's been fun. And like I said, with, with that. Exactly what I was going to say. And even more so, I feel like he can even do a more all-court tennis than Federer, too. He, he goes to the net quite a bit, and it's been very oh. successful against Varev. He beat him in straight sets. He beat Medvedev for the first time. I didn't realize that. He was 0-5 against Medvedev. Yeah. Came yeah, out, beat him in straights. There. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. a lot of history there. Good point. <laughs> but he beat him in straights. So uh, yeah, Medvedev's game is clearly working. We know Zverev, like you said, his this is one of his tournaments. He won last year. He plays very well on this court. Tsitsipas is also very comfortable here from, from what I've watched. So we'll see what he can do against Nadal. He's never beaten Nadal on a hard court, clay court, anything. So we'll see if uh, how Tsitsipas can do. But he's beaten Djokovic several times. He's beaten Federer at least the one time that I know of in Australia. Yeah. So he's he's looking good. Yeah, definitely looking good. A good match tomorrow for sure. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Even though I guess he's already through, but just I guess to see him against Rafa, it's it's a good measuring stick for him, mm -hmm. regardless. Yeah, nice. So let's see. So what's the next match you want to talk about in these finals? Well, it doesn't matter. Let's see. Yeah, so I guess we can go right into the the Djokovic team while we're talking about still talking about Djokovic here and how he did. This was a pretty close match. Um, despite team getting the victory, um, the points, it was pretty razor thin. Overall, it was one of those kind of toss-up matches where Djokovic won 49% of the points um, or about 50% of the points and, and team won about 50%. So it was almost even. The the total points, yeah, I guess it was 108 to 110, so they were rounding it there. So Djokovic won points. two less points, yeah. But still, it was uh, it was pretty, pretty dang amazing there. Let's look at their serve numbers here. So... Looks like they kind of split it. Djokovic was more effective on the first serve, 72% to team 67, but team was a little bit more effective on the second serve, and he hit quite a few second serves. Um, his first serve percentage wasn't very high. It was only 56%. So the second serves, he was just able to keep it, keep it alive there. Djokovic mentioned after the match, he said it was amazing how hard team was hitting the ball. He's like, he felt like every – point he was crushing it and he, and he really kind of was he's being very aggressive hitting the ball very very deep and they were pretty much all going in at least that's what Djokovic felt uh, especially when he ended up losing it in that third set tie break and Djokovic has been exceptional in tie breaks all year long and so it's pretty surprising to see him lose that decisive tie break yeah and that's in an interesting third. comment I feel like that's been said about team maybe in the French Open I feel like somebody else is or even maybe multiple people have said he just really hits the ball. <laughs> mm -hmm. He has just a, an impressive amount of power behind his shots. Uh, kind of like Warinka with his forehand. He can just power through it. Warinka's amazing with that. I agree. Um, let's see if there's anything else interesting here. Yeah, team, I mean, rock solid on the break points. Every chance that he had, he broke Novak. So it just sh yeah. showed... He was not afraid to go for it, and his shots were going in. He was four for four on those break chance opportunities. Even though team, um, it ultimately went down to a tiebreaker in the third. He still in the second set got Djokovic pretty good with the with the breaks there, with the single break, I guess, in that set. 
Um, on the return side of things, Djokovic was pretty good, but ultimately not good enough on those return points. So it looks like total return points, Djokovic was 45%, team was 44 So pretty much identical, and even the service points are pretty much identical. So it kind of came to a pick em. Who was more clutch in the moment? Djokovic was more clutch at Wimbledon this year, but team? Team's been clutch against Djokovic pretty much all year, right? You mentioned the French Open. They had a really tough semifinal. It was five sets. Team came out winner. Here they had a pretty tough three-setter. Um, two hours and 50 minutes. Team came out winner. So it seems like he just he kind of finds that clutch gear against Novak that would really help if he found it against Nadal at the front. And he could uh, <laughs> he could win a title there. We'll see. Uh, he's, he's such a good clay quarter, but but Nadal is, Nadal is better. Yeah, he'll break that wall down at some point. It'll happen. Yeah. Just glad it hasn't yet. <laughs> yeah. How many Frenches does Nadal have? What they have seen about today? Was it 11 or 12? 11. I can't remember. 11. Uh, was this his 12th? No, I think this was his 11th. Yeah. Amazing how many French Still. Opens. <laughs> yeah. Tomato, tomato, right? That's a lot of, that's it's a lot of French just, Opens. Jeez, it's amazing. Oh, it is 12. Okay. So double check the district. There you go. 12. jeez. Yeah. Okay, so as far as ATP World Tour Finals, let's see. Let's go on to the next match. We kind of mentioned a little bit of the Nadal, Nadal's Varev match. Any other comments about that match? Uh, nope. No, yeah. Other than, yeah, Zverev was in control the whole time. Yep, no break points. You mentioned that one. First serve, wow, that's pretty bad. The first serve return points for Nadal, 11%. I don't think you see numbers like that. Mm. That's a pretty, uh, pretty bad number. So Zverev is hitting... Oops, overscrolled there. Is it 88%, 89%? That's, that's amazing first serve percent. Better than in Federer, we were allotting 80%. Yeah. Zverev's hitting 89% on that. That's that's incredible. And his serve, first serve percentage is relatively high as well, so he didn't have to hit a lot of second serves, even though his percentage was in the 40s. Not where you want it, but didn't matter. The first serve is so effective. Seriously. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting stat there. Nadal. Yeah, I was able to save the one one of the break points, but the other three and eleven aces again. Remember, so similar to Fed's numbers there, so you can kind of see a little bit of a mirror on the. Even though their game style is quite a bit different as far as Zverev maybe not going to the net with the effectiveness of Federer, but they're finding the ace number and they're both finding a very effective way to win on their first serve, even if they win it in different ways. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I wonder absolutely. if that'll continue to be a theme throughout this tournament. All right, so we mentioned Nadal's amazing comeback. Do you want to? I'll let you, as a Rafa fan, you can you can talk <laughs> about your thoughts on that match and what what were the what were the stakes there? What was happening? Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I need to go back and watch this match. I haven't um, have not watched it, but yeah, so the the year in number one's on the line, right? Between Joke and and Rafa, I think I don't know how many points. It's in the hundreds, yeah, not thousands. That Joke was behind Rafa to take the number one seed. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, number one spot. Anyway, I think you get like 200 points a, a win. Rafa found himself down, what, five love or five one at one point? Yeah. Fought off match point against uh, Medvedev and came back and won it. Um, so pretty impressive. He said after the match, uh, something to the effect of, you know, that's a, a one in a thousand chance of happening. He said, I was expecting to be in the locker room in five minutes with a loss, not going forward. Um, but he pulled out the W, and since Joke lost, uh, you know, he's out. I don't, he can't make it out of the round robin. 
So uh, Rafa has locked in that one seed or that that number one ranking, year end ranking. So pretty impressive feat for uh, somebody of his age. That's yeah, amazing. It's health issues. So yeah, no, really, it's incredible. Yeah, so just some more thoughts on that match. I mean, of course, you know, we could talk about how Medvedev has made so many finals. He's played so many tournaments. He's been gassed, but you know, he still had was in the driver's seat five one and 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 gave that away. So looking at the numbers here, overall total points, it was another one of these very, very close matches where it's fifty fifty, it looked like on the points. So um pretty much whoever was more clutch. Medvedev had twenty one aces to Nadal's four. Pretty amazing. Uh, he won 75% of his first first serves points, and it all was 72%, so very similar there. Uh, I think where it came down to second serve points, Nadal was 5% better, 57% to 52%. Um, though Medvedev saved five break points, and Nadal saved four. So there, there's some clutch play all around, but I think Nadal was just a little bit better with that second serve. There was definitely some more rallies involved. Um, I think that Nadal is just able to rent uh, to to have turn his way, I guess. And then on the return side of things, yeah, again, pretty similar numbers. Um, the break points, yeah, Nadal's ten percent better at 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 getting those. Yeah, so it just comes out of those clutch moments in that third mm. set. He just it was it was getting away from him, and Nadal. Like I think the comment was made, right? That he was just thinking, oh, I could be five minutes away from the from going to the locker room. But instead, just like he always does, he ground out every point. He grinded it out and played every point. And before he knew it, he was down only one break. And then and then the pressure, I guess, mounted on Medvedev. So, yeah, amazing match. He did say it's like one in a thousand chances to come back from a 5-1 third. <laughs> but I wonder what the actual numbers are. We were discussing that, how to, how to access that data. But Yeah, we'll see if we can get that put together. Might be yeah, difficult. amazing though. Amazing for, from the Nadal. And that's what you hear, right? I mean, every everybody that it has to play Nadal, that's you know, always one of their comments. The guy fights for every point. I mean, he's down five one. You know, you can just say, All right, this match is done. Let's go home. Let's be done. It's over. But yeah, I mean he keeps fighting. I don't know, I'm sure every other player gonna fight as well, but Rafa especially is a pretty determined individual, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, super impressive. It's great. Great win. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, going into another player, you know, he's he's kind of disappointed here at the ATP uh, World Tour Finals here at the end of the year. He barely made it. So, uh, Berrettini was in Federer's group. He lost to both Federer and Djokovic. He actually beat team, oddly enough, today. So matchups yeah. are kind of a weird thing. He beat him in straight sets, too. But just wanted to talk about matchups, I guess, and how how those play a role. With, with Berrettini, his, he's a really, really tall dude, and his, he, has a, he has a booming serve. You know, in the 130s is not uncommon for him. But it's just amazing to see how he can cover the court. Some of these bigger dudes maybe not so good at – covering the court, but he's able to cover the court really well and also has some nice variety. But that big serve, a lot of times people expect, oh, right after that serve, he's going to smash this forehand. And instead, sometimes he does these little slice uh, drop shots with the forehand, which you know you usually see that more from the backhand. So kind of an interesting game. Um, very surprised, though. I mean, I didn't even really know about him until this year. He's had a great year. And so even though he's kind of disappointed, he's out of the group round. He's not going to move on. 
Still really impressed with the young man's game. Talk a little bit about so about some of those stats. He's 6'5", I guess, to, to throw that in there. He's ranked number eight in the world. And obviously the Italian. So let's we can talk about a little bit of the stats when he beat team today. So 85% first serve uh, points one, which makes sense based on that booming serve. And 67% on the second serve. So significantly better than team in both mm-hmm. regards. Uh, team was not reading his serve that well uh, today. So overall, he was able to win pretty easily. 80% of the points were his. Or sorry, 57% of the points were his. Uh, compared to 43% for, for teams. So, yeah, just really impressed with his movement and how he's able to, to do well on the return. You look at the return points one, he was able to win 34% return points. So not maybe a Djokovic number and an all number, but that's that's nothing to sneeze at. Compared to team, who only won 20% return points. So significantly better on return. Again, just impressed with this young guy. He's beaten guys like Raonic. Um, in Shanghai, he beat uh, team. He just had some great runs. And so we'll see if he, if if he's a fluke or if he's going to play good next year. Because again, I really didn't see him being a top ten player. Didn't know who he was until he played Fed at Wimbledon. So yeah, absolutely, it's kind of interesting. So looking at his ranking, and at the start of 2017, so I guess three years ago, if you consider we're almost at the start of 2020, he was 435th in the world. So. In the year oh, from 27 to 2018, at the at the beginning of 2018, he had already gone up to 135, which I don't know. I feel like if you if you have like just a couple key wins, you can and at this level or in the rankings, you can get up pretty fast. But uh, yeah, so he went from 430 to 135 ish, and then the beginning of this year he was 54th, and then now yeah he finds himself at eighth in these. Uh, in the world tour finals. So quite an impressive, uh, quite an impressive uh, climbing right there. Yeah. Especially when we, you know, back in like March when Shapopolov was making the quarters or semis in Miami. I can't remember. I think it was semis. Everyone was thinking Shapopolov. He's 15, right? Nishikori with injuries dropped to 13. Guys like Goffan who have been amazing made the tournament last year are not in it so just yeah a lot of other guys we thought would have been in there as opposed to him or hatching off who won oh yeah paris mm-hmm. last year out steamanor yeah so a lot of guys that we thought you know would, would have good years but they just haven't quite uh followed up there and Bertin has had the more consistent results so he deserves to be here unfortunately won't be moving on but hope to see more of the italian he's got a pretty fun game so mm-hmm. certainly a good experience for him definitely hopefully you can build on it yeah, and another thing I looked up here too, so interested in looking at Federer. I feel like he's had a pretty amazing indoor hardcourt uh, season this year. So he won Basel. I believe it was his 10th title. He got pretty emotional winning that one. Um, great to see him win that. And he opted not to play Paris just so he could rest his body. And now he's um, in the ATP World Tour Finals here now. So this doesn't cover through the ATP World Tour Finals since he does have a lost team. Um, however, the stats I'm looking at cover through Basel or Basel. So obviously 100% win percentage through Basel, but this is comparing to the rest of his career. So just show you how well he was playing at Basel. So he's acing. He aced at Basel 3% more of the time. So instead of 11%, he aced 14%. So small, but aces you know, allow you to, to be more dominant on those service games. He first serve percentage points one were pretty similar. It's like 0.5%, so not much of a change, around 79%. 
So again, close to 80% that he beat Djokovic today with. So maybe not a fluke. He's consistently performing on the indoor courts. Uh, second serve, 59% uh, career indoors and 62% uh, this year in Basel. And again, 58%, that's definitely higher than his normal hard court or any other surface. So he just, he just does serve better indoors, it seems, for the speed or the controlled conditions, whatever you want to. Uh, say there and then break points saved um he saved six percent more break points this year than than normal it's 75 percent break point saving uh percentage and so overall out of that he's he's winning a point a percent and a half more service games or service points and service games he's winning almost five and a half percent more service games so pretty amazing on the return it looks like he's doing a lot better as well um I won't go through the numbers here uh, as much, but both first and second serve points one, about 8% better on each. So overall, he's winning 15% more matches um, than his career average. And his matches, which I think is also interesting, the match time is, is 31 minutes shorter. So it's his normal match time indoors is an hour 36, most of them probably over three sets since there's no Grand Slam, obviously. And then uh, it's an hour and five minutes this year is what he's been averaging. So very tidy, very quick on the court. Kind of reminds me of today, the Djokovic match today. He's playing efficient. So if he can continue to back up the rest of his numbers that he has been playing in Basel this year, I think he's going to be pretty hard to beat. So we'll see. But then again, he came out flat against team in that first match. So hopefully we don't get a rusty fetter is what I'm, is what I'm hoping for. Hopefully not. I want some good tennis. Yeah. And I don't care anymore. Rafa's got that number one ranking. So yeah, he does. He's got it secured, which is if he's amazing. smart, he'll just lose and get out in the round robin so that he can rest up for the Aussie open without right. catching a bunch of flack for saying he's injured or something. Yeah. The only <laughs> thing would be if he does, I, I feel like he would be motivated if he does make it out of the group stage. Cause then he, he's never won this tournament. Kind of uh, oh, one, of few, yeah, one of the few, one of the few knocks against him for that's true. Grace full time. But, uh, Federer's won this six times. Joke's won it five. So maybe maybe Federer want to push it to seven to have some space between him and Joke. But if Nadal <laughs> could win it, he could he could kind of silence the critics. So no, he can also win on indoors when he's healthy and when he puts his mind to it. So yeah, that's a who good knows? Point. Hidden motivation. We never know. But like that's you said, true. I don't. I think he'll uh, get some sleep even if he loses because he's the world number one. So that's amazing <laughs> of itself. Um, let's see what else have we got as far as tennis. So we do want to talk about, even though the season's kind of wrapping up, obviously we'll talk about the next episode. Whoever wins, we'll talk about stats from those last few matches, semis and finals. And we can also talk about kind of looking forward to the next, to the new year, because we're always excited. Australian Open's always around the corner from the holiday season, so we can start looking at previews for that. But real quick, Matt, of all these young players, so you can't pick, let's say you can't pick Federer, uh, Nadal, or Djokovic. You, you can pick a stock, so kind of treat it like a stock if you'd buy or sell. So pick one of these. I guess the rest would be young guys. Um, it can be anybody in the top whatever, top 10, top 100. Pick someone that you would buy or sell if they were a stock. For these young guys. performance on next year? Performance on next year. You can even be just improving their ranking um, a yeah. lot or winning slams, winning tournaments. Who would you pick? Who do you think is going to do even better? Yeah, we did this last year, and I was I was all gung ho on the young guns, and they did which, nothing. Which they young gun? Well, okay, I, I I'm not saying they have to win slams, but who who do you think is going to get even better this year? Uh, that's a good question. 
I don't know, man. For some reason, I'm super bullish on on GoFan. Um, just really like the dude, and I feel like if he can just break through, he can be so good. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> I don't know if he counts in uh, in this. He's not a young gun, but he's really good. I'll give he's you not. that. He's not okay. a young gun. So you, so you would buy some golf and stock then? For uh, a more specific young gun, I don't know. I'd probably go cliche and say something like CC Pass um, playing well here in the in the end of the year. If he can get a little more consistent, then I think he can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. So, no, I I'd think probably, that's good. That's really good, and and I I think I agree with the golf fan too because I think he's better than his ranking for eleven is. So I think I'd buy that as well because I think he could he could finish in the top eight again. Yeah. So I agree Definitely with that. No and the seats plus. Yeah. <laughs> Poor America, right? Has uh, yeah, seriously. No real, no real anything coming up. But. Yeah, TFO is our best shot, and he's not. Uh, I don't think he's a top top guy yet, but he I mean he could be. It's hard. It's hard to judge the talent. Feder said that today. He's like, you never know who's going to make it. I think he even said that. He's like, I was surprised at at uh, some of the guys this year. He said he didn't know Medvedev was have the year he would have. So, mm. well, an RBA. I mean, Bautista Agut, man, it's just. Oh yeah, he's really good. Kind of crazy, man. But he's not. Yeah, let's see. Yet. Who would I? Who would I buy stockwise here? Yeah, I would also. I'd also buy a CC Pass. He's. He's really impressed me every time he's played Djokovic. I think he's beaten them all, but maybe the one time he played him as a, as a winning head-to-head. Uh, Federer, he just always seems to come out guns blazing against these guys. Kind of had a bad middle part of the season, but he yeah. started amazing, right? <laughs> Australian Open in Dubai and some of these other tournaments, and then he's ended really well as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'd buy some Tsitsipas. I think he could he could be in those top few. Um, even though Zverev's only ranked seven and he's flirted with three or maybe even two before, I don't know if I I feel like I should sell that Zverev stock. I just haven't seen him. Yeah. I, I, I just I haven't seen he, him break through though the way he yeah. should. So yeah. And he'll play, right? He'll have like one lead up tournament where he plays out of his mind, you know, and he had obviously a couple good matches here in the in the final tournament, but he just yeah, you know, you feel for the guy because you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean I like <laughs> he had the guy. So much but... talk, so much promise coming in and He's just got a mental block. He needs to go talk to uh, Isner. Isner and his coach found some way to, and I mean, obviously Isner's still not top ten, and you know, um, but he, he won a Masters one thousand though. Yeah, exactly. Miami, he he so. found a new level. He found a new level, and uh, he talked about that. He said, you know, I sat down with my coach one day and somehow finally figured out uh, how to just. He said, "I'm my my biggest enemy on the court." He said, "I finally yeah. found a way to get over that and." And that's, you know, when we started seeing a lot of that success, you know, he won that ATP 1000 and stuff. And so, you know, obviously that's a huge thing. It's a, and you can't quantify that with stats. We've talked about that before, but um, it's some of these guys, I think, struggle with it more than the others. And yeah. Interesting match that you bring up too, because that final in Miami was against Zverev and he beat uh, Zverev in three sets and Zverev was the one melting down. So uh-huh, yep. funny you bring that up on many, uh, many levels there, but uh, yeah. the one guy I, I can't really decide on is Medvedev. I, I feel yeah. like I should sell him because he's already, he's ranked four. I feel like I don't know if he can make it to the, the top ranking without winning a slam. And I, I don't know if he can, but at the same time, this year was just impressive. Basically from the hardcore season on, he was almost unbeatable literally. So 
Well, so that's the question. I don't right? know. I'm. I. I. I, I guess I'll hold him, but. Uh, but I feel like that's a stock that maybe I should sell. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm not convinced. I'd say yet, but. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. had a great run. Maybe. The big three. I guess. I guess I'll stick with the big three. I'll stick with the blue chip uh, stocks there because they they seem to always win. That's right. That's your but, Apple and Amazon and Google stock right there. Yeah, I guess right. Hopefully they don't ever tank. Of course they'll retire. So. Yeah, that's true. So before then. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's what we got here from from fifteen thirty. It's uh, it's been an amazing year and. And we're hoping for the last last few good matches to to cap the year. Again, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about the young guns, who we think is good. That's just kind of our little preview for who we think uh, is gonna have a good year, and and who thinks maybe not gonna live up to their their ranking or potential. But yeah, until until next episode, we'll see you guys on the court.